Hi, welcome to Per My Last Email. This is your host, Michaela. Every other week, I'll be coming on here to tell you everything going on in my life. Sometimes it'll be real estate and some tips and tricks for all of you. Sometimes it'll be everything that drives me crazy about building a business, but it'll always be something you can relate to and be like, yep, definitely feel that. Each episode is meant to inspire, connect, and maybe lead you to a glass of wine while we all discuss the many reasons we've all thought about writing emails, starting with the phrase, per my last email. This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, welcome to the fourth episode of Per My Last Email. This episode is going to be different than all the others you've heard so far. And moving forward, they'll go back to being how they were, but this one's going to be different. The reason it's going to be different is because I promised to make sure that this podcast was always honest. And if we're being honest, I've not had a great two weeks. I think it's funny how we all use social media as our cover-up story. We look at our friends and family and coworkers and people we're stalking and people we don't know, social medias, and especially if they're active on social media, we get a version of their lives. The highlights reel is what we usually refer to it as, but it doesn't cover the real stuff, right? The last two weeks I've had photo shoots, I've sold properties, I've I've done all these things, and that's what goes on social media on the highlights reel. But the reality of the last two weeks is I haven't accomplished much. And for me, when I am not accomplishing much and I'm procrastinating, it's usually out of exhaustion. And not the physical exhaustion. It's almost never out of physical exhaustion. It's almost always out of mental exhaustion. And so I didn't have an episode recorded. Here's some more honesty. Today is Saturday. Episodes go live on Wednesday. I got a message Friday night from production saying, hey, we don't have anything from you. What are we supposed to put live on Wednesday? And I said, to be honest, I don't have anything. And I could maybe record something this weekend with someone, but no guarantees. And I'm just, I don't have it in me. And my producer responded back, well, how about you just tell the truth? And so here we are. This is going to be the episode, and it's going to be me telling the truth. And to be honest, I had been thinking about doing a solo episode for the last two weeks when I wasn't able to get my head around interviewing somebody. And I kept thinking, well, why would I do a solo episode? That's not the point of this, and no one wants to hear me bitching. But we started this podcast, and it literally says in the trailer so that we all have somewhere to voice our truth. And the reality is, is that we don't always all have good days, and my hope is that even if there's just one of you out there listening that is feeling the way I'm feeling right now, you feel like maybe you're not alone in it because to be honest, I have felt very alone in this feeling for the last couple of weeks. So let's get started, I guess. We'll see how long this podcast is because I don't know, maybe I can talk for 40 minutes. Who knows? I've never tried to be honest, but here we go. I wanted to start by talking about not so much why I'm in the mindset I'm in, but my faith in timing. Because I think part of the reason I'm feeling the way I'm feeling is because I'm conflicted. I so strongly believe in timing, and yet when timing isn't working in your benefit, it's really hard. It's hard to have faith in the things you have faith in when they're not showing up the way you think they should show up for you. And in preparation for this podcast, I wrote down some times in my life where timing was beyond my control. I think some people, depending on your religion and your religious beliefs, would call it divine timing. I just sort of 
call it perfect timing. I've talked about it a little bit in regards to my nonprofit born out of a very strange day when I was walking across Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago and was hit by a car. What is interesting about that day and when I was hit by the car is that I was wearing my mother's shoes. To give you some context, I was 23 years old. So my mom had been gone already nine or 10 years, depending on how you count the months. So close to 10 years. And I very, very, very rarely wore her shoes. Like very rare, like maybe once a year. And that very day, I felt the need to wear her shoes. And that very day, a car hit me. And that very day, those shoes took the brunt of the hit. And they were the ones that went flying across the street and not my body. You know, I have more examples of that. I was working on an incredibly difficult emotionally, spiritually, physically project in real estate from the fall, winter of 2014 to the spring of 2016. And by the spring of 2016, I had hit a point where it was just no longer healthy or safe for me to be working on this project anymore. Like I was just not okay anymore. And I'd finally hit my breaking point and I had girlfriends that were just like, we can't do this with you anymore. Like we're tired of how crazy this is for you. And I finally decided to walk away from the project. And I walked away from the project two weeks before my dad died. And for those of you who don't know my story with my dad, him and I didn't really have a relationship for many years up until that point. And when he passed away, I hadn't spoken to him in years, but my sister had just given birth to her first child. And my dad had many, many businesses across many countries. And so when he passed away, I took on the responsibility of dealing with his crazy life and unpacking it and then putting it back together so that my sister and I could be both financially and business-wise safe and protected and stable. And had I had to deal with my father's death and that insane project I was working on, I used to joke I would have jumped off a bridge. There was just no way for me to handle all of it at once. And I somehow, ahead of knowing that he was going to pass away because he passed away suddenly, two weeks prior, washed my hands of the biggest stressor in my life and then spent the next two weeks trying to, you know, tie up all the loose ends. And the second I was done, he died. I can't explain these sorts of things without just calling them perfect timing. They all played out exactly how they were meant to play out because I wasn't going to be able to handle any of them without that timing working just as it worked. I can tell you a funny story. Yesterday, I texted my younger sister, who's also my best friend, who is also my adopted sister. And I said, should I just pack up my life, sell all my belongings and start over? Should I just do that? Is that the solution to all my problems? You know, I would keep the podcast. That maybe was all I would keep. I would keep the podcast and I would sell all of my belongings. I would sell my condo. I would sell my business. I would pack up my life and me, the dog, I guess in this podcast equipment would go somewhere else and I would get a job and I would, I don't know, I would just start over. And she said, you know what? Let me pull a tarot card for you. Also, if you know her, she likes to call herself a witch. TBD on if that's true or not, hard to tell, makes her happy. So we'll go with it. My little witch sister. So she said, can I pull you a tarot card? And I said, yeah, sure. And she responded, okay, focus all your energy on that question. Should you just pack up your life? Focus it all. I said, okay. And she pulled a card and it was called ordinariness. Before I tell you what it said on the back of the card, let me tell you what happened two hours prior. Two hours prior, I decided that I needed to just stop doing or pretending to do everything and just make dinner. And I called a girlfriend. I said, hey, 
Do you want to come over for dinner? I'm going to cook a nice meal. Maybe bring me a bottle of wine. I'm out of wine, but otherwise I've got a three course meal ready to go. Come over for dinner. She said, sure, that sounds great. Why are you cooking? And I said, to be honest, I just need to refocus and cooking makes me happy. She said, okay, great. I'll be there at seven. So fast forward that, you know, that conversation maybe happened at 3 p.m. So it's now 4.35 p.m. And Anna pulls my tarot card. And the tarot card's description is as follows. This figure walking in nature shows us that beauty can be found in the simple, ordinary things in life. We so easily take the beautiful world we live in for granted. Cleaning the house, tending the garden, making a meal. The most mundane tasks take a sacred quality when they are performed with your total involvement with love and for their own sake, without thought of recognition or reward. You are facing a time now when this easy, natural, and utterly ordinary approach to the situation you encounter will bring far better results than any attempt on your part to be brilliant, clever, or otherwise extraordinary. Forget all about making headlines by inventing the latest widget or dazzling your friends and colleagues with your unique star quality. The special gift you have to offer now is presented best by just taking things easily and simply one step at a time. Explain to me how my witch sister pulled that card given my day and given the fact that two hours prior I called a girlfriend and said, come over for dinner. I haven't cooked in maybe a month. I need to cook a meal. I need to calm down. It's timing. It's reassurance that you're on the right path, whatever that path is, especially in my case right now where it feels like a little bit I am treading water and not moving. And no matter what I do, no matter how hard I kick my legs or swing my arms to swim forward, I don't move. I'm just treading. And then I cooked a meal. And also, by the way, it was great. In case you needed to know, I am able to cook kind of really well. So anyway, I really believe in timing. It's my version of spirituality, to be honest. And if there's anything I believe in more, it's that. But I think People who really are religious, they would say that sometimes they lose faith in their own beliefs too because it's not it's not playing out for them. I will say I'm feeling this way in all aspects of my life, my personal life, my business life, my future business life, where I'd like to go in the future, what I'd like my career to look like in the future, where I want my personal life to be. I feel like all of it is I'm doing all these actions to move it forward and we ain't going anywhere. Like we are stuck in the same damn spot in the same damn pool. It's frustrating. It's frustrating and if I'm the only person on the planet feeling this way, then that's fine, but I have a feeling I'm not. And I don't really ever hear people telling me they feel this way. So I really freaking hope that there are other girls, other women that feel stuck right now or have felt stuck because you're not alone. The reason I don't have a guest on this podcast is because I procrastinated the shit out of it. I actually have a list of 15 upcoming guests. These are all people I have spoken to. I then have a list of about five to 10 people I have yet to speak to about being on the podcast. So I have a full list of people that are ready to go. I just have to schedule them and I didn't do it. It's not like I didn't have anybody. I have lists and lists of people, people who have agreed to it, and I still didn't do it. For me, my whole life, procrastination hasn't been about feeling nervous about failure or being worried I'm going to fail, therefore I'm not going to try. For me, my whole life, procrastination has either been one of two things, nerves about being successful. I'm one of those weird people that's terrified of success, not of failure. Success scares the shit out of me. 
It's what I want the most, and yet it's completely and utterly terrifying to me. But usually I procrastinate, not even because of my fear of success. I don't procrastinate out of fear. I procrastinate out of exhaustion. So when I've thrown things at the wall to see if they stick, and say I've thrown 100 things at the wall consecutively, and they don't stick, I become mentally exhausted. And then I procrastinate. I don't come up with the 101st idea to throw at the wall. I just stop. I sit and I just, nothing happens. Out of exhaustion of creating the next idea. It's not out of the failure of the hundred. It's out of utter exhaustion of creating the hundred and first. And so I just felt exhausted in my life, in all of my life. In my personal life, I felt exhausted. In my business life, I felt exhausted. In my business, I felt exhausted. In my career, I felt exhausted. I felt like I keep trying things. And to be honest, they kept falling in the exact same damn way in all aspects. There was one common thing that made all of the things fall down. All of my ideas, whether they were friendship-based or relationship-based or, you know, big picture career-based or honestly small picture in my personal business, they were all falling down the same damn way. And so I just got tired and I didn't want to try anymore. And so I procrastinated and now we have no guest. And instead, now you guys are listening to me. But if we're going to talk about timing, maybe this is how it was always supposed to play out. I really hope this is how it was always supposed to play out. Otherwise, this is just a real annoying episode. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I want you all to know it's 830 in the morning while I'm recording this. And I was just about to say, should I just like do a shot of Tito's? Is that going to help the problem? Like I made a chai latte. Should I pour some Bailey's in it? Like I'm actually out of ideas on how to solve my problems at this point. And I'm almost to the point of where I don't even think alcohol is going to fix my problem. What does that mean? When a Russian girl who has been taught to use alcohol to solve 99.9% of problems is convinced that alcohol can't even solve her problems. Hmm? What does that mean for me? It's not promising. This is not promising. But anyway, here we are. I've procrastinated. I've also shockingly spent 18 minutes telling you this story. And yet here we are. So now that we know I'm stuck in all aspects of my life, I'm going to turn the tone a little bit. And I don't know what aspects of your lives you guys might feel stuck in, but the the one thing I do know is real estate. So that's what we're going to talk about. So if you are looking to buy a house, sell a house, buy a condo, sell a condo, buy a two-flat, sell a two-flat, three-flat, four-flat, or honestly, just leave your parents' basement. That's also an option at this point. The market at the moment can make you feel very much how I feel, <laughs> stuck. Not if you're selling, unless you're selling a condo in a high rise, in which case I, I will say prayers for you. And for me, as your realtor, we all need prayers at that point. If you have a condo in a high rise, this shit's hard. That's all I'm going to say. But if you are trying to enter the real estate market and you are putting offers in on places and you are not getting anything, know that you are not alone. Know that there are so, so, so many people who have either given up, re-signed their leases, decided to stay in their parents' basements, et cetera, because they've put in two, three, four, five offers and not gotten the places because so many people are bidding on the same places because there is no inventory of homes. It's tricky. It's a tricky situation to be in because mortgage rates are really low and so your buying power is really high. What that means is if you can afford, for example, $300,000 when the interest rate is 3%, if and when the interest rate goes to 4%, you might only be able to afford $270,000 because you you have to cover that 
that portion of the interest rate over the 30 years in money towards the property. And so you can afford less. And so because people can afford a really healthy amount right now, and there is no inventory for many reasons, COVID included, there wasn't any new construction for a very long time. So there really isn't a way to absorb all these people with new properties either. So there's no increase in inventory with new properties. Also, construction prices are out of this damn world, which doesn't cause new construction to work any better either. I highly doubt any of you know what this means, but to buy one two by four, which is like a post, a wooden post that you build walls out of, one, one single two by four right now at Home Depot the other day was almost $15. You need like 20 of them to build one wall. So you can comprehend how building a house out of $15 pieces of wood is not possible. Well, it is possible, but not at a price that makes any sense to anybody. So there is no new construction. There's all these people that want to buy because their buying power is so high and there's nothing to buy. And so there's all these buyers that are feeling the same way I am currently feeling, which is stuck. And so although I don't have a solution to my personal problems on why the hell I feel stuck and why nothing is working in my favor, I thought maybe I could give some solutions to those people. Because to be honest, it feels like the only problems I can solve right now are those problems. Consider a fixer-upper. There are plenty of people in this world that can help you. There are designers like myself. There are architects. There are, honestly, there's Pinterest. There's contractors. There's so many people. And Instagram and Pinterest have really opened such a door for access to these types of people that you can find people and you can find their work and basically a visual resume of what they've accomplished and what they've created without ever having to like go get recommendations. You can get all of this off the internet. And so you can find people to help you with a fixer up or you can find people to run your ideas by. You can find people to consult you on whether, you know, whatever materials you're picking go together or things look right or don't look right. You can find people to help you make these considerations about your home. You also have this magic ability to save a little. So even though the Chicago real estate market tends to be the hottest in the spring, which is kind of ending, our spring market ends like right about now, you have some time to save. So if you weren't able to buy anything through the spring market, think about what you've saved and can actively think about saving until we get through the summer and into fall. My hope, my my big dream and hope is that there will be more inventory in the fall. Gosh, I hope that for so many reasons. I hope that. But, you know, spend some time saving. You might, even if that rate then does go up a little bit, it won't go to 4%, but say it goes up a quarter of a percent. You might be able to eat that difference and and it not affect you because you've saved a little extra. Here's one that I wrote down that I actually think is really interesting because I have clients that do this and I just wish they would spend more time doing what I'm about to recommend. So a lot of clients will give me like six neighborhoods they're willing to live in. And I get it. There's no inventory, so they're trying to keep their options open. But I think sometimes when you keep your options open, you can't actually figure out what you're trying to get. Like your options are too open, right? It's like going into the ice cream store and saying, well, I like all the flavors. Okay, but like you actually have to pick one. They're not going to give you 12 scoops of ice cream. You pick one, maybe two, right? So to say I like all ice cream, I like all the flavors, that's really nice, but it doesn't actually help you and it doesn't solve any problems for you. So what I would recommend is if you are having trouble getting a, a property, spend the time that you're not putting in offers, <laughs> Really, really investigating these neighborhoods. And rather than going to your realtor and saying, I have six neighborhoods I'm willing to live in, go and pick 
one or two. Your buying power will be different in all neighborhoods, fair, but I think if you pick one or two and actively just hit those over and over and over, your ability to focus on them, on the blocks that you like, on the streets that you like, what side of the street that you like, from lighting perspectives, all of that kind of stuff. You'll be able to focus so clearly that when something new does come on the market, you will be able to so quickly filter it through all of your kind of requirements that you'll know right away whether it's a fit for you rather than needing the night to sleep on it and then most likely you're too late because now there's 12 offers and now you're in this ridiculous bidding war. So spend that time that you're not getting a property, spend that time really investigating these neighborhoods and then rather than going to your poor realtor with 17 towns that you're willing to live in, maybe just pick two. And then the thing that I really need to hear in my life right now, but I'm telling you guys instead because apparently I can't listen to my own self, is just don't give up. I get when you need to take a break, like my two weeks, but you can't give up. If you've decided that home ownership is something you want, if you've decided it's what makes the most financial sense for you, if you've decided you would like to build some wealth for yourself or your family or whatever this might look like for you, if you've made that decision, then sure, make a dinner here and there, calm down, stop looking at the websites. And then once you're kind of like emotionally, spiritually, physically ready, don't give up. You've got to keep going because you will get your house. I'm going to give you an example. Last summer, late summer, we had a very similar market. After kind of some of the restrictions during the summer of COVID had let up, all of the pent-up energy from no one buying or selling anything from, call it March to May, made the market craziness, crazy town craziness for June, July, August, September. And I had two separate clients that had put offers in on seven houses. One of them were single-family homes, and one client was condos. One was in the suburbs, and one was in the city. And so completely different markets, completely different products they were looking for, and yet it was the same story over and over and over and over. They couldn't get anything. And so there were times where both parties would take a break and be like, we need a week or two. Just let our brain breathe. We'll come back to you, Michaela, when we're when we're ready in a week or two. I will tell you at the end of it, both parties got maybe the most unique properties of what they were looking for I had ever seen. So one person got a property in Chicago that is one of the most unique layouts I've ever seen for what this person was looking for, an incredibly highly desired neighborhood. And I would argue the layout that this person got was far better than 99.99999% of the properties in that neighborhood. And realistically, it's just because they didn't give up. They just kept trucking along no matter how exhausted, how frustrated, how like just done they were with the process. They didn't give up. And they got a result in the end that was far better than anything else they had put bids on prior. I had another couple, they were trying to buy their first single family home in the suburbs. And I'm talking like disaster after disaster after disaster. We were even under contract at one point and the contract fell apart days before closing. Days. And we couldn't get anything. And they ended up buying a house with a pool. And now these very lucky two humans get to have a pool outside their house right now in the summer. I want a house with a pool. I don't have a house with a pool. Their house with a pool costs the same as my condo, just for reference. And yet they have a house with a pool, but they didn't give up. They never gave up. These people never gave up. And so if they are of any inspiration to me, you, and everybody else, it's that no matter how exhausting throwing everything at the wall is and nothing sticking, 
The timing of it all works out, always works out. Damn, does it take forever. And that taking forever is exhausting in itself. So with all that being said, I want you all to have a little grace with yourselves, for yourselves. I'm most likely not packing up everything I own. I might be putting a shot of Bailey's in my chai latte though. TBD on that. But I'm not packing up everything I own. I am not selling my business. I am not selling my furniture. I am just allowing myself some grace to say like, I'm tired and that's okay. In two weeks, well, this will drop on Wednesday. And then two weeks from then, the podcast will go back to its normal self. We will have interviews. We will be sassy. We will be talking about all the millions of ways to succeed. But I guess the reality of it all is none of this would be true and none of this would be honest if I wasn't honest with all of you to say right now kind of sucks for me. And that's okay too, because I'm assuming it kind of sucks for some of you too. I love that I'm doing this podcast and I love the four people that are listening. I actually think maybe there's six now. (laughs) There might be eight. I don't know. We'll go with six. Six feels like a safe number. I love the six of you who listen. Thank you. Thank you for giving my voice a place to live. Bye guys. See you in two weeks. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or I thoroughly annoyed you enough that you feel like you have to come back for more, please go subscribe, rate us, send a review, and share us on social. You sharing us means all of our struggles don't have to be in silence anymore. And it means we all have a voice. Most importantly, it means I get to keep making episodes. So please go share. 